0: week 10 patch that's right everyone just in time for hot girl summer the squeak kaylee is immune to the plague also immune to the plague we have jordan
1: what an okay transition kaylee hi how are you doing
0: wow hurtful i worked hard on that <laughs> you're just mad because jordan already planned apparently to use the word squeakle in their own content later in the week, and they're just salty that I beat them to the punch of making squeakle come back. I tell you that in confidence. I think that's what this is. Jealousy. (laughs) You
1: just portrayed
0: me. Is that sweater green, or is that just the jealousy? I'll
1: have you know that it's not even close to green.
0: (laughs) It looks very olive in this light.
1: (laughs) They can't see (laughs) it. It looks cozy, though.
0: <laughs> Am I wrong? Nobody wants to say anything, but tell me that doesn't look olive, like that weird I'm, brown green.
1: It looks teem to me. I this sweater for like three different
0: I know, but with the it. yellow light, it's making it take a green, like an olive tint. That's what I'm saying. I actually don't know where the yellow's coming from. This is so weird. There's so much yellow. Am I crazy? It's all yellow no, and yellow. blue. It's okay. all yellow.
1: I have changed nothing about my setup. <laughs>
0: It's all yellow, but it's cool because it's yellow and blue. So it's like the complimentary, like, you know, it's how everything's teal and orange. All right. Is that that all you got for me? All right. Well, thank you. Speaking of squeakles, hater,
2: how was your return to the Pacific Northwest, Spencer? It's great. I've had vegan barbecue, beer, and coffee from Dutch Brothers. I I had Dutch Brothers, but I've also had two of my favorite, like, Portland coffee shops. I'm
0: happy. I thought Dutch Brothers was like a place you could get your oil changed for some reason. I don't know why I thought that. No, it's a drive through coffee shop. It's a drive through coffee shop. All right. This all checks out. And, of course, Zyger.
3: Hi. It's great to be back. I missed everyone since last week.
0: It's funny because I give everyone else a little transition, but I, I always know. just say Zyger's name without that one. It's funny. That's, that's... It comes with a little positivity. Yeah. But, the, but that's the thing. And then, like, he doesn't even react to it. And he's just like golly gee everyone howdy shucks and i'm like no i'm bullying you stop it
1: <laughs> but it's, uh, it's also always interesting to see the ways that zyger responds to the clearly clearly planned out bullying that happens because like i know he doesn't see it coming and i do because I, I find, yeah because yeah.
0: it's, it's right like, there there's no surprises
1: <laughs> and it's like a it's like watching the ball drop you're just waiting and counting down it's like three two one
0: Huh, At I any point, I could be like, hey, there's this like mean joke in here. Maybe you could edit that out or change that. And I'd be like, yeah, sure. But I'm always like, hey, Zyger, I'm, g- I'm going to do this bit. And then it's like the Ditto face. <laughs> it's like, it's like, <laughs> no, in,
3: no, there were some times where I shocked Pikachu. I forget. I think it was the first week I hosted where you had changed something I had written yes! to uh, something else. Yes! And I didn't notice <laughs> that you had changed what I had written. So, when I got to that point, it was just shocked Pikachu face, not Ditto face. Shock Pikachu, like, what? Did I write this you, about myself? Y- you no. I was
0: spelling your name and I switched the X to a Z and then you totally said it. He did. He did. It was so good. Uh, well, now that the gang's all here, you know what time it is by now. Cue sweet transition music.
1: The Scrum.
0: In release, the Gator Cut news Dragon Age 2 was a rushed bundle of cut content put out to fill a gap in the release schedule. Among other what might have been's, include a time skip that was either shortened to months instead of years or showed actual time progression, a romance route for Varric, connections to Dragon Age origins and its DLC, and a more fitting end for Meredith that made the Mage Templar conflict less clear cut.
1: This is unfortunate because I wish that he didn't say anything about this. Because I, I, the one thing I don't want is for, like, fandoms to push for DLC or things from old games. And it sucks because Dragon Age 2 had a terrible dev cycle that's like, make a full open world game in 14 or 16 months or whatever
0: well, it was more like, hey, that DLC that you were working on for Dragon Age Origins—it's Dragon Age Two now. No, you don't have any more time. Go.
1: Yeah, They're like that sucks. But at the same time, every game gets things cut out of them. Everything, every game, like, has a bunch of cool, interesting shit cut out of them. I don't want us to bring up the idea of like, oh, we could ask for that to come back much later. Now, I, I don't want—I don't want that energy put out.
0: Yeah, I think that the fans trending like, oh, give us this now is obviously stupid, but I do think, like, he waited long enough that it makes no sense. Like, we're so many generations away from that console that it's like, obviously, they're not going to patch Dragon Age 2, and it is really fun to peek behind the curtain and be like, here's all our plans. It's famous that this was rushed. Everyone knows content was cut, so here's the content, like, in a game's history sense. I think that he waited a long enough time that it's obvious he wasn't doing a... I'm saying this to get it made. He was saying, cause like, it's been a long enough time and I think it would be kind of fun. It's been a while. And it's just a little, like it's literally, it was just like a little treat for fans. It was a Twitter thread. And it was just like, Oh, if you're curious, I don't remember everything, but here's all the stuff I was proud of that never, uh, never happened. And so it was really fun. Cause it's, you know, a romance for Varric. That's so fun. Um, and I thing that I thought was a really good point was in dragon age two, there's huge gaps in time constantly. But the fact that they were like, yeah, we probably should have changed that to months because we wanted to add a bunch of stuff that made the years of time passage more apparent and we couldn't. And so I do feel like sometimes I'm like, I don't know, it doesn't feel like I've left my hometown and come back after a number of years and seen the subtle ways that it changes and the large ways that it changes. And Dragon Age 2 didn't nail that. I'm not a person that hates Dragon Age 2. I thought Dragon Age 2 was decent, but obviously suffered from not having a lot of time. That's my hot take on it. And the things that I was like, that could have been better, are literally all the things brought up here. Dragon Age Origins and Dragon Age Inquisition do amazing jobs of making every decision as difficult as possible to guess which is the quote-unquote right choice. And the Mage Templar thing in Dragon Age 2 was really nuanced. Oh man, which side is right? Which side is right? until Meredith becomes an obviously like cartoonish giant bad guy at the end, and it's like, oh, okay, well, team mages, obviously, and, and the game kind of does away with a lot of the subtlety and nuance that make it so good. It's like, before Game of Thrones was doing shit, they were like, oh, you want some fucking high fantasy with really interesting political intrigue across continents and races and just all sorts of great stuff. It's I would love a Dragon Age HBO series. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I would love that so much. Holy shit. That
1: was, a, that was an interesting, like, way for you to talk your way into that. And I'm all here for it. I'm not, like, too down or anything. Just, like, listen. To-
0: Imagine if, like, I don't know. I'm just imagining, like, The Inquisitor or something being uh, being played by Sean Bean. And the first season being like Dragon Age Origins, and the and then the Inquisitor sacrificing himself at the end, so of course Sean Bean dies at the end of the first season, and then the, the series I, progresses.
3: I was literally like, "Oh, Sean Bean, he must die at some point." That's right, sense. exactly.
0: I was like, you know, we'll just give him a character that we you know dies, or whatever. Um, but yeah, I think that it's really cool to see, like, oh, all of those like critiques that I would have of a, of a, a decent game are things that they knew about. Like, these were known. It's like, yeah, we had plans for that, but we ran out of time. And it's like, oh, cool. That actually retroactively makes a lot of the things about Dragon Age better because you can kind of fill in those those gaps.
2: What if I told you that's how a lot of development is, though?
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, that's why I like it. It yeah. always makes it so exciting to be like, oh, yeah, cool. That wasn't like, this is weird. There's a story there. I love that, like, uh, there's a YouTube series called, it's a terrible, stupid name, but it's What Happened, like W-H-A- I'm like, what happened is how he fucking says it every time. I hate that. But the rest of it is really well-researched insights into when you're playing a game and you go, it feels like something happened for this to be the end result. It goes into what happened for that to be the end result. Why, you know, yeah, this actually ended up being rushed or this ended up, you know, they tried to do this and it was broken. And so they had to do this to salvage it. And it's like all these really cool insights into how weird that's a choice choices get made in games and so i like it when stories like this come out because it makes it easy to see like oh this is how a game like this is what we're setting out to do we, we set out to do a lot and it's limitations like real world limitations that cause
2: the not 100 percent perfect game to be made
0: i want dragon age 4 so bad
2: same but i want it to be good so they can wait i can wait
0: that's the thing. I was like, I want Dragon Age 4 so bad. And then I'm like, but if it comes out and it's bad, I don't want Dragon Age 4. <laughs> like, I would rather, it, like, BioWare die than release a bad Dragon Age 4. <laughs>
3: like, well, if it is bad, BioWare will die.
0: <laughs> I would just like to fantasize about what could have been than have, like, a, a hot mess. I think about buying my tapestry of all three games from the Dragon Age keep all the time still. Sargon and I got close once. And it's so expensive, I was like, no, that's dumb, I shouldn't do it. And I'm still like, what if I did that, though? (laughs) Like, I want it so bad. I want it so bad. So, I love this game series. I'm just such a Dragon Age slut. I don't know. Okay. I just want to live in this story forever because it means we get to talk about Dragon Age. I'm sorry. Proving that casual racism did, in fact, imply the existence of professional racism, pro Scrabble players are super mad they can't use slurs in matches anymore. Uh, Mattel recently added over 400 banned slurs for different races, from things as obvious as black to as specific as Pakistani and Irish. Of note, they won't actually publicly publish the list of slurs, probably because they don't want to publish a list of slurs. So there is an official rulebook that the official word checkers, I knew there was a title for it, that the official word checkers use during pro tournaments. And that rulebook does have a list of slurs somewhere. It's like the KFC secret recipe in a vault. Like they don't want to make it public, but it does exist. Which means that there are over 400 words. People were just putting down on scrabble games like british slang for a cigarette like okay cool oh it's also important to know so this was a move done by mattel and because everything is duopolies like nothing's a monopoly because we made monopolies illegal which means now we just have like Oligopolies of like two to five major corporations. So the game Scrabble is internationally owned by Mattel, but in the US is owned by Hasbro. So in the US, competitive slurs have been banned for a while. And this move by Mattel is to match Hasbro's North American move. So the people who are salty about slurs now are the good old-fashioned european racist they've had thousands of years to perfect the art that's why they had to be so specific i was confused why irish slurs were signaled out but it makes a lot more sense now that we know that this is uk news speaking of uk news no this is french quantic dream really loves the fact english speakers don't give a shit about anything they have to put through google translate in a recent statement absolving themselves of years of well-documented workplace abuse and bigotry, Quantic Dreams blamed malicious employees making up lies for the judgments against them and specifying clear evidence of a culture of sexist homophobic humor and unsafe working conditions. Now, if you look at the press release that Quantic Dreams released, on paper, it seems really good. For those that aren't paying attention, uh, or not paying attention, for those who don't know, on April 8th, Quantic Dreams released a statement in French and English, which is why we've heard about this, because if they just released it in French, you'd know nobody would have retweeted it, that all of the misogynistic, sexist, homophobic, and racist behaviors and, quote, liberties taken with labor laws that ha- they have been found in previous courts of law dating back from 2018 to as recent as this year to have been guilty of were overturned on appeals. They talk about three judgments handed down in 2018, uh, another one in 2019, one in 2022. I'm sorry, one in 2020 and one in 2021. And how, oh, this one back in 2018, that got struck down. There was no toxic atmosphere whatsoever. Now, what's interesting is if you talk to the actual unions, what the unions have to say about this statement is that it's a bunch of really, really convenient lies by omission. See, what happens is a shit ton of employees sue Quantic Dream. And Quantic Dream loses a bazillion times. But like three or four judgments eventually work their way up to appeals and get overturned on flimsy technicalities. We'll get into. But because of that, They can release a press statement going, look at all of these things that were appealed. That basically absolves us of all charges. So here's some things that their statement conveniently left out. The fact that the April 7th judgment does not dispute the fact that for years, people at Quantic Dream, employees at Quantic Dream, would Photoshop the faces of other employees onto racist, sexist, homophobic various memes like fucking like four 4chan shit like just gamer fucking behavior and would then pass them around and so obviously not everyone was into that some of the cases that just got overturned on appeals were overturned for the following some employees quit because they were very disgusted by these memes however because they themselves were not depicted in the memes And they didn't come forward to add to their complaints until all of these lawsuits started happening, which was a couple of years after they left. They were found to have waited too long to complain and also lacked standing because they weren't the ones in the images. So there are these very thin technicalities that a couple of these got overturned on appeals with. Other ones where it was like, yeah, this is a person who was in the meme and they complained and they didn't do shit. They didn't file appeals for. So what Quantum Dream leaves out of this statement, in addition, is, yeah, you know how when Donald Trump was trying to overturn free and fair elections in the United States and plunge us into an authoritarian dictatorship, he just kept going to court over and over and over and over. And at a point, at one point, it was like 50 to zero court rulings not in his favor, And he's just like, I just need one. Because if I can get one, I can put that one in all my emails. And then all of Fox News can just focus on that one. And it's really important to get that one. This is the exact opposite of that. This is Quantum Dreams was found guilty over and over and over and over and over again. And most of the time, they were so obviously guilty, they didn't even bother to appeal. But a couple, they thought they could get off on a technicality. And then a couple of those, they did get off on a technicality and they're using the fact they got that they got off on a technicality a couple times not to dispute any of the fucked up stuff that was happening but to dispute that it was their fault or a big deal so that's that's how malicious propaganda and just the pr are is like that is what that's what journalism is supposed to be for it's supposed to take the press release and then figure out what's real and true. It's the difference between quoting a police's like a police officer's statement as fact and going, police officer said this, which is weird because the facts point to this. Like you, you you can't just take whatever a company says and be like, Well, you know, that's the company said that they cleared themselves of all charges. So I'm pretty sure that's case closed, right? You have to take the next step and be like, Cool, what have the the different unions that represented these companies responded. What exactly did they win on? What was the reason that they won the appeal? How many of the appeals did they win versus how many did they lose? These are all things that are conspicuously absent in the story. And so it's just a really great example of how insidious PR can be and how you really have to be careful when you're reading statements from a company that are obvious
2: damage control. People get a lot of trading and a lot of get paid a lot of money to write damage control because like it's it's a lot of it is based on like psychological tricks you can do like that. So it is super important to remember that those things are like happening when you read press releases.
0: Bingo, bango, Bongo. Bingo, bingo, bingo. bingo sorry. i I don't have a great transition, and I thought I, I thought I was, gonna, I was like, I'll just start talking, and one will come to me, and I was like, Bingo, Bingo, no, no, and then I was like, Damn it! Now, no matter what transition I come up with, Jordan's gonna just gonna give it to me.
1: <laughs> no, no, it just means that I'm gonna write Bingo, Bingo
0: on that sticky note. I'll take
3: it. <laughs> yeah, speaking of Bingo and rednecks.
0: Nah, I was going <laughs> rednecks? Because the next thing is Dave's gone. No, no,
1: no you he was trying to transition into the rednecks. <laughs>
0: yeah. I just bingo bingo and I'm like speaking of bingo and rednecks, when yeah. were we speaking of rednecks? No,
3: I just I <laughs> We were in talking about
0: me. And that's what we were talking about. And you're like, speaking of rednecks.
3: If <laughs> nah, I like be goes
0: like. I'm from so- my family's from Southern Illinois. I'm very sensitive. <laughs> <laughs> Just because all they talk about is the new Walmart in town, despite the fact that it's 10 years old now, does not mean that you can call me a redneck on this podcast. I don't care if my hometown is literally where loose meat sandwiches were originated and where they based the show Roseanne on. I don't care. That's real. I've been to the original loose meat sandwich shop. It smells weird.
3: <laughs> that, that, that's <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> it
0: smells like loose meat sandwiches smells like steamed ground beef and onions. What do you fucking think? It smells like White Castle. White Castle smells kind of weird. I like it. I'm gross, but it smells weird. I
1: still like White Castle, smell, right? but it is, it is weird. It is. Hot. I don't like loose
0: meat sandwiches, because I want it, a loose meat sandwich is a Sloppy Joe without the sauce, and so when I'm eating it, I'm like, man, I wish that I said Sloppy Joe sauce. Like, that's, that's what time. it comes down to. Every time, I'm like, you know what make this better? So fuck it, Sloppy Joe sauce. <laughs> like... Alright, to make up for the nonsense that was the scrum this week, I've decided to make the executive decision to leave this all in. Oh, God. We have a That's Right. Double feature for the quality assurance. There's so much quality, and you guys need some assurance. So we're gonna kick it off with a double feature within the double feature. Back to back gaffes from David Gaffey himself. Hey. You like that? You like that? <laughs> the director of Days Gone, who isn't even fucking employed anymore because he's an Creative asshole director, by his own is missing.
3: Because John Ross is game director, John. Garvin is creative director.
0: Right. Is there a thing just called director that's above both of them? No. So there's no directors in games except for Hideo Kojima.
1: There are very few directors, but, but director oh, level is just the highest level that that oversees that aspect of the thing.
2: So doesn't the that Quantic Dream
0: though? guy call himself a director too? Why can't I think of his name? He David also calls Cage. himself
2: a writer, but
0: yeah, David he Cage. Yeah, I mean, technically, if you know how to write your name, you're a writer.
1: You just did my argument for why video games are art. Not all art's good. Some video game art is good. But all video games are
0: art. Like David Cage is the Tommy Wusseau of gaming, and we need that. I think he's trying to be the Ed Wood of gaming, but he doesn't quite have the charm. Yeah, that's pretty... Yeah. You guys can't even argue. That's all right, That was. I don't know who Ed Wood is. Ed Wood's. Uh, Plan Nine from Outer Space, But he's uh, there was a movie starring Johnny Depp that Tim Burton made called Ed Wood's, where Tim Johnny Depp played Ed Wood's. This um, is just a this
1: is just a thing that. I, it,
0: oh, Ed is a very yeah. Ed Woods is a very famous not even he, like B-movie horror director, but basically he really, really loved movies and he tried really, really hard and he was really, really earnest about it. And he did his gosh darn best and he was terrible at it. And all of his movies were garbage. They were the worst. They were so bad. It was painful. They like, it. they're, they're funny to watch cause they're so bad, but like it's, it's sad. It's sad. Cause it's like, oh man, he really is trying his darndest and he's so happy and proud. And so like, it makes you like him kind of like, uh, florence foster jenkins for singing meryl streep did her bio did the movie about her life florence foster jenkins was like a, a crazy old rich lady that loved singing but she was terrible at it but she was so fucking earnest that people would go see her at the opera house sing terribly but like she was so into it and so passionate people were like you know what florence foster jenkins you're an amazing fucking singer we all love you she was the original william Hung. You know what I mean? Like, Ed Wood was, like, the director version of William Hung. It doesn't matter if he's good. You just love him so much because you know he's trying his best, That you're like, I'll buy your fucking album. No?
1: You said a bunch of names that I didn't know. I know William Hung. He was in the fighting game. He plays uh, Captain like, America.
0: Was- you know I'm talking about his stolen American Idol. <laughs> you know it.
1: Yeah, I know. Same guy. <laughs> okay.
3: Okay. <laughs>
0: David Jaffe interviewed John Garvin recently. John Garvin is the former creative director, four days gone. He used to work at Sony Bend, the studio that brought us Bubsy 3D. And now he's not there. And his interview with David Jaffe was one of two giant I want to be the main character of Twitter events this week. So we're going to break them both down. Uh, his David Jaffe uh, interview was horrible one because David Jaffe is a trash can of a person during the article during the I keep saying article (laughs) during the interview David Jaffe confirms that John Garvin was fired because he was an asshole a point that John Garvin does not even attempt to argue and he's just like yep I was fired because I was difficult to work with and mean and yelled a lot and was hateful like just an asshole like TLDR I was an asshole But, David Jaffe points out, the problem wasn't that John Garvin was an asshole and abusive to his employees. The problem is that John Garvin was more abusive to his employees than he made his company money. See, if we had just bought more copies of Days Gone, then John Garvin would have been allowed to be as mean as he wanted because he was bringing in money. David Jeffrey literally goes, I don't know if Neil Druckmann's an asshole, but if he was, it wouldn't matter because he brings in Naughty Dog money. Like, he, he literally is just like, you can be as big an asshole as you are important. It's horrifying. Like, it just, he says it out loud. He's Oh my God, he just admitted it. Like, it just, he, he just says it with his whole chest. Like, I'm a white man in the industry, and I believe in the face of Harvey Weinstein and, God, what is that producer that just got fucking... No, in the face of Brett Ratner, there was that one random producer that got blasted all over the fucking internet. Bro- he he's in Broadway too, and he, all these Broadway actors were like, "We're not coming back after quarantine because this dude's too abusive, and we're not going to stand for it." And he's stepping down from doing Broadway shows. Like they actually bullied him out of Broadway. It was really cool. Yeah, I'm glad I don't remember his name because fuck him. I hope no one does. I hope history doesn't uh, <laughs> because he's just an abusive. Like there was an article from a person whose brother was his PA, who was his assistant. And then his brother committed suicide. And all of these articles came out showing the working conditions that this kid's brother lived under in the years leading up to his death. And he's like, I don't know if my brother would have or wouldn't have if he hadn't worked there, but I know for a fact it didn't fucking help that he's not the only one that had suicidal ideation that can be directly tied to working with this person. And so to see that even after all this has come out, even after years of Me Too and years of, of outing abusers and doing all this shit, somebody like David Jaffe doesn't even hesitate to be like, you know, John, if you had just made the company more money, you'd still have a job right now. Just says it to him. Fascinating. So fuck David Jaffe. But the some of the key points in John Garvin's side of the interview include things such as Metacritic scores are all that matter to Sony and You need to buy games and review them really well, games journalists. If you care about new IPs, because if a new IP comes out and you give it a low review, then they're not going to make any more games from that IP, and you're just going to have the same games over and over. So it's actually game journalists' fault that we're not getting new IPs because they aren't nice enough on Metacritic. That was great. Uh, Millennials are ruining everything because they refuse to have their labor exploited. That actually isn't
2: the... Garvin interview. That's the John Ross interview with with David Jaffe. He got both the director, game director, and the creative director to come talk trash. Oh, did he really? Uh-huh. Oh, so both of them are fucking crazy. Wow, that okay. is crazy to me. I, I thought that this was crazy. all John Garvin. No, I did too. I did too. And then I was like, wait. That I was like, the thread I was looking at was for the David Ross interview.
0: Co-directors, co-douchebags. I know they're not co-directors. and that's creative director and. Game director, but... Co-directors! They also included the hot take that Millennials are ruining everything because they won't have their labeler exploded, that they want to be paid overtime if they have to crunch and work overtime, that they want to be paid a living wage. All of these things are unacceptable and why Millennials are killing the gaming industry. They specifically call out... Uh, David Jaffe in his brilliance calls out SJWs like Jason Schreier as the biggest problems in the games journalism in-games journalism right now. Uh, you know, they hate white men, and they hate masculinity, and the Metacritic score... Literally, they argued that the Metacritic scores were negatively affected because the main character was a white man, and it's because of the SJW pandering that IPs are failing because you gave them bad reviews because, you know, your impossible purity tests, and, uh, you know, anything that's too masculine, oh, you're bad. You guys hated it because he was too tough and strong.
3: He was a strong white man. How? Why did you guys hate him so much?
0: Beefy white men are the most persecuted group in America. Quote, not beefy, but very much white men.
1: The funny thing about that, because I, I, I made a point to look up the best-selling game in 2019 and the best review game, right? And Days Gone, specifically, 19th uh, best-selling game in the United States in 2019. And I looked at another game that came out the same week. Small little indie game you may of. It's called Mortal Kombat, which was the fourth best-selling game period in the world back there. They were first and second came out in the same month. I don't know about y'all. I feel like Mortal Kombat is the pinnacle of like the idea of like masculine games, rip people off,
0: it's blood. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's the 1990s. It's the only thing we have left from the 90s, in my opinion. Exactly.
1: Now that game not only was reviewed well, but it was like the fifth selling, best selling game of that year. And uh, you look at the sixth best selling game—that's Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, also a game starring—and uh, you got Tom Clancy's Division, Grand Theft Auto, Red Dead Redemption. A lot of, a lot of games, a lot of games starring white dudes that are like supposed to be masculine, and they're all just so much further above Days Gone on this list of the top twenty games. It just feels like feels like they're missing something. Now, it does suck because there are some things that are truce that they spin in a bad narrative. It is extremely important for a game to do well at launch week and launch week. A game that's first party support, a little different. Well, like for smaller games, the better you do in that first month, you get in the best selling list or the popular list, and blah, blah, blah. blah. Does this matter to a game for a game that gets first party support and gets a page? Metacritic scores. Do matter a lot for specific things, especially when it comes to the to the first parties. For example, uh, if you are a game that would get, if you're looking to get a sale on Xbox Live, uh, what do they call it? Our paid, whatever they call their thing, uh, deals with yeah, gold. Deals gold. Oh. If
0: you're
1: trying to get get a deals with gold thing, they pretty much don't. Give games that opportunity to get it to be on deals of gold if they have a low enough Metacritic score or a low enough range on their Microsoft store. Like, if it's like for the Microsoft store, if it's below three stars, then your chances of getting it are extremely slow. They, they only support games that are, are going to be more Oh, interesting. Now, again, hmm. doesn't matter to a first party game that gets first party support. But when you open up the PlayStation Store, it's the first thing you see that's exactly what the case was really but they're using like those things that are partial truths for some people and applying it to themselves which is like a garbage way to like spin narratives and spew out misinformation to people who don't know as much as they actually do. They, they suck for that.
0: i just from the moment days gone was announced i remember being like oh what's this oh, it's Sony Ben's new game. Oh, what have they been working on? They've been doing pretty good and making, you know, handheld versions of console, like of big tentpole console games. You know, this is going to be their chance. They earned this IP by like working their way up the hard way and they can do whatever they want now. And then I saw just a zombie game that came out five years after the oversaturation of zombie games had hit its Zenith and they didn't offer. I I watched a trailer and I'm like, okay, so you have, you know that if you're making, if you're a Sony first party studio, making a game five years post the last of us, you are making a game that has had five years to top the last of us. That's what you decided to do when you decided to make a zombie game. And so it's like, okay, Well, what if there was a bunch of zombies? Congratulations, you just invented Dead Rising. That's an even older game. Like there there was nothing innovative. There was nothing. Here, this is worth delving back into this pool that's been drained so many times. It's a fucking puddle. Like, sorry that there's all this dirt and sediment, but we really had to scrape at the bottom. It's just bizarre. I, didn't, I never understood it. I never understood who it was for. I never understood why they felt it was the right call. I never understood what they expected it to do. It was just mediocre. Here, let's do all of these things that were really successful a half decade ago. Let's do The Walking Dead, Last of Us. You know, it'll be like gritty and real and there'll be a bunch of zombies and we'll call them a name that's not zombies because that's what all the cool stuff does.
3: What are oh, the they, like, freakers
0: in that game? Yeah, they're yeah. freakers. They did nothing to justify that game's existence. And they just showed... I remember so many so many fucking E3 and PSX and whatever the fuck trailers. There were just, all right, here's a white guy, and here's just, like, comical hordes of zombies rushing in a funnel shape towards him so that he could just go... and take them all down. And it's just... Okay, so is this is supposed to be because con- Dead Rising did that, and they went comedic with it because that's that's screwball comedy. That's what that is. And so Days Gone trying to do this like Sons of Anarchy thing, but with these weird, incongruous, like humorous. It it was never made clear to me what they thought that they were doing that was novel or worth a damn.
2: I would have rather had mm-hmm. the, zo- the biker gang game without the zombies. Like, make me a biker gang, like, we don't see that. That's not something we've seen, like, I, like it would have been like, hey, just give us, like, a oh, like, biker clearly- gang with,
0: like, the Shadow of Mordor men- nemesis system with, like, other biker gangs or something? Like, like Need for Speed did that Cops and Robbers one that was really fun. Just do that with, like, the biker gang, and you're running from the cops sometimes, and you're, you know, doing shit, like...
1: You man, don't have you to going- bend backwards to think of something innovative in this <laughs> And speaking of how un, like,
3: special or not special, but like, I don't. None of us have played Days Gone to completion. I feel right. right. Correct.
0: Correct. Yeah. So, I'm uncomfortable with your usage of the phrase "to completion," but correct.
1: Yes, I think okay.
3: So <laughs> I don't. So no one here knows the actual narrative of the game, but I actually like earlier today just did a quick read of what the story for this game is, and it is just your generic. Like, B-movie zombie film. The whole plot is that these two, uh, I believe they're brothers, but they do their own thing. Uh, At some point in the game, they meet a researcher named Sarah, and she finds a lab, and she discovers, oh, this is where the virus came from. We need this doohickey at this other lab, and I can create a virus that will kill them all. So the two main characters go out, and they try to retrieve the whatever... They get it, and then she reveals, oh, I'm not going to kill them. I'm trying to cure them. But then something happens that it doesn't work out, and the evil corporation that created the virus shows up as like, hey, you can't get rid of this virus. We're coming back, blah, blah, blah. And the game leaves off on sort of a cliffhanger where the two biker gangs and Sarah find their own, like, cabin in the woods to live in to, like, outlast the apocalypse. And they get a message from some other guy who works at the evil corporation. And says, hey, you can't get rid of us. We're coming back. We're coming back in full force. And it's like, this is such a like basic Like, Oh, you're trying to find a cure to the virus. Doesn't work, obviously.
0: So it's like some resident evil. Oh, an evil corporation made the virus. And then after it obviously has a huge detrimental effect on society, which would obviously affect the economy in a way that would be bad for any evil business. They're yep. like, no, don't cure the virus. We want to make sure that the virus continues to spread and wipes out humanity because we're evil. Like wh-
3: Basically the corporation is called Nero N-E-R-O, and the I guess the person in charge of it is also a freaker, but he's an intelligent freaker. So he's like the next step of evolution for humanity. And that's he's, his he's thing.
0: A, he's not a feral ghoul, he's just a regular ghoul.
3: Yes. Yes. He's a super mutant. That is more or less the plot of this game. And it's like It does nothing creative that makes it stand out to other zombie-like games.
0: Imagine if the entire game leaned into the whole B-movie thing. And it was just a super intense, like, you know how (laughs) Deadly Premonition really leans into the, like, Twin Peaks cheesy weird fuck it? Like, imagine if they just leaned really hard on, like, an Ed Woodsian, just, like, B-movie, like, put a fucking black and white mode. Like, Kurosawa mode, but, like, black and white filter, like a B-movie horror movie?
1: Then we just got Resident Evil again.
0: Yeah. Damn it. I keep inventing Resident Evil.
1: Yeah, that's basically
3: what they invented. Except they didn't...
0: Right? Yeah. But then they were they like, didn't let's focus have focus on brothers. Resident
3: Evil halfway through it.
0: Oh, huh? yeah. There's brothers, though. But us have but brothers. Two brothers. And they're
3: bikers. And they're bikers. Two,
0: two brothers. Two brothers on a bike and also <laughs> the taco spaceship evil fighting grandmas
2: i just think it's weird that you'd be like we're gonna make a zombie game about two brothers and they're like hi have you met dotty dog we also made a zombie game that featured brother again like this is a post the
0: last of us society that's what bothered me from the moment the first trailer dropped i'm like you are making this game in a post the last of us environment what did you expect it's like they thought they'd be graded on a curve No! If you make a fucking... We're trying hard to make this a gritty, realistic zombie game, especially. It's not like they were trying to do something different. Again, at least Dead Rising and Dead Island and shit stay in their fucking lane. They're like, oh no, we are not making The Last of Us. We are making some goofy shit. But this game, for all I've seen of it, is very much trying to take itself seriously, and thinks it's doing something, but for the life of me, I can't figure out what it is.
3: Yeah, and for... Full context, Last of Us came out 2013. This game started development in 2015, two years after critics loved The Last of Us and talked about how great The Last of Us was and how it more or less told a story that we don't see Correct very Correct me if often. I'm
0: wrong, but I believe that this was revealed at a PSX, that that's how long ago this was.
2: There was be- a trailer at a PSX, I know. Right? Was, it was the old mill
0: Okay, it was when? revealed at PlayStation E3 2016, and then it had a PSX trailer.
3: Okay, there we go. I was like, I thought this was E3, but I could be wrong. Okay, nope. All right.
0: Yeah, yeah it was announced in 2016. It had been started on in 2015, but like, and then it came out in 2019. And it's just like, this is...
1: I don't want to shit on it too hard for not being innovative, because frankly, I feel like most AAA games are not particularly innovative these days. That being said...
0: It's a PlayStation first party game. Like, it's, it's just, it's so yeah. close to its own thing. That's what's so baffling. Like it's like, you guys know that you're the little brother of another studio that did this, as far as everyone else is concerned, perfectly. Like, you're you you you're the little brother.
1: Not even just The Last of Us. Because they, 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 they got two Naughty Dog games to have to deal with. Because they did The Last of Us, and then the same year that this was revealed... Uncharted Four, a game that's completely about Brian Brothers. That's like that's yeah. like their big push for that game. Can't comes out, so they they do that, and they also had the unfortunate luck of like being at so many PlayStation shows because PlayStation had nothing to show for a while. Because we had that stretch of years where it's like there's no big AAA game that PlayStation's showing at the thing, no big thing. Everyone's hyped up for someone. <laughs> everyone's uh hyped up for a playstation to show ooh, when we're gonna show final fantasy 7 again or whatever and we get we didn't get that we just kept getting days gone for forever so it was it was really the game that people didn't want to see because they were waiting to see something else so the fact that they were kind of like not particularly innovative shine even brighter
0: i was looking into PSX like when it was at PSX 2017 was when i got the big push uh, but there was a The Verge review and the headline is just Days Gone Review, lavishly produced, painfully generic. And that like the, it's like seven when game when seven means average, you know what I mean? Like not in gaming where it's either a nine or a one, but like that's what it's, I have on meta it's yeah, right. It's like a seven and they got a seven and they were like, how dare you give our game a seven? And that's why I keep going back to like, I, I again, like vers- versified, versified, whatever. Versified, I don't think that you're wrong. Like, not every game needs to be a 10. Not every game can or should be a 10. But this is a studio that had everything to prove, that worked very hard for this opportunity, that was known for making... Like, the the most famous thing you'd have done before this was Golden Abyss, an Uncharted spinoff. So when you already did a Naughty Dog spinoff once... To then finally get the opportunity to make a game on regular consoles instead of handhelds and your own IP instead of they've done, they did Resistance games, they did Naughty Dog games, or uh, they did Uncharted games. This was their first chance at their own IP. And they chose to do this. I, I don't understand.
1: I will say this wasn't their only thing because they did do the set. Okay, they did yeah. what? Siphon Filter.
0: Oh, they did. It. But to me, Siphon Filter is also just, like, a weirdly generic. Like, I always get Siphon Filter confused with Splinter Cell. To me, Siphon Filter is, like, that game that's not Splinter Cell.
1: They're, they are the same. And I agree. That's that's a big problem. They probably, if you're going to make something that's derivative of something else, just make something, you know, make it a Siphon Filter game. It sucks for the people that are in that studio that are not the people that we're talking about.
0: Yeah, I feel like this studio has a clear amount of technical talent. But their creative directors, and by the way, that's who we're shitting on this whole episode, the creative director. Their creative director does not have a strong creative direction. Dead ass. Like, they clearly make competent games. Their Resistance game was well-received. Their Golden Abyss game was very well-received on Vita. They've, they knew what they were doing in a technical aspect, and that's why they earned the right to do their own thing. They were hampered by the fact that I think their creative director was able to be was able to be just like a generic white dude that lacked a point of view for a really long time because they were always doing other IPs. And so they were pulling from the creative work of more talented, creative people and then executing that in a technical way. So the people like that don't have those creative decisions were really talented, but this douchebag at the top who's like, why is my game a seven? Clearly doesn't understand why his game is a seven. Like You are the creative director and your game showed no creative direction. Why do you think your game deserves to be higher than a 7? Technically proficient is not a 10. It also has to be interesting or unique. It could be one of a million things. Like, you just need one thing to be like, oh, wow, that was really good for a game that is a 7 to go up. And this game didn't do that on any level.
2: I do feel, like, a little bit bad for the, like, I know a couple people who played Days Gone and liked it, and, like, that's just, I mean, they enjoyed the time they had with it, they thought it was for what it was. I do feel a little bad for fans who wanted a sequel, because, like, when you look at the, like, when you look at the financial of it, and you look at the, like, things, you're like, yeah, it is a seven, but, like, it's sold well, so, like... Yeah. I'm surprised they're not doing one. You would hope that, like, they would get, like, creative feedback or somebody in there who would take, like, this game, because, like, there's plenty of things that, like, I feel like games have a better chance of sequels being better than, like, movies. Yep. they are totally right. They, yeah, like, no, learn totally things right. from it, and, like, the next one is, like, better. So I do, like... I
3: They can innovate on themselves.
2: Also, I also feel bad for fans because, like, the creative directors out there, like, shitting on them, like, you didn't buy it at full price, so this is your fault. And it's like, well, be mad at Sony for, like, making that the expectation, not at the people who are out there, like spending their money at different varying price points that they can afford to like support you. Like Yeah, that was the other great thing that he
0: said in an INGN article that came out recently, uh the director, once again just talking out of his house, um, if you love a game, buy it at full price, not when it is on sale.
1: Which uh, doesn't make sense because how would you know if you love the game? If you don't own okay. it can buy it. Yeah. But also it's just like it- it's shitting on people. It's like it's like an accessibility and access issue. Like, not everybody can afford full price games. So when, when they get on sale, that's when they buy them, and that's when they play them. And a game is very expensive. Sixty dollars is a lot of money. That's yeah. like a lot. There's, people forget that there are a lot of people that play video games out there that get two or three video game purchases a year. They get like like the the quintessential casual gamer in my, uh, to that the reggae term, is Person that plays Madden, another sports game, and an action.
0: I would say Madden, a shooter, and an action game.
1: Madden, the Call of Duty,
0: yeah. Madden, Call of Duty, maybe Division. If they're like Mm -hmm. really fancy, instead of Call of Duty, they'll be like, oh, I would would say Destiny, Destiny, you know, something like that. Like, but at least one of those shooters, yeah, is what I think of.
1: Like the market that they were looking for is probably the person in that right. So. Listen, if, if, that, if that, that third game got picked up by one of the other huge selling games, Mortal combat Kingdom Hearts, that in with that year, then listen, people buy an HML sale. And I feel like most, and I, I might be speaking on my ass, I feel like most game developers want as many people to play their game as possible, and whatever that means. So, like, long after a game stops really being profitable, it's still on the stores and still making sales because I want people to play the game. I want people to experience this art that I did. So to shame people who can't necessarily afford it at launch or, or, or who wait to kind of get it on sale so when they can buy it, at something that's reasonable for them. Fuck.
0: So are you saying that it's okay if somebody were to buy We Should Talk when it's on sale?
2: Yeah, in fact,
1: it's on sale right now on Nintendo Switch for 30% off as a part of the the Nintendo Indie World sale. And it's going to be that way when this episode launches. And it's going to be that way when the next episode launches, too. Look at that. It's going to be on here until the 25th. You should buy it. You should buy it. (laughs) And support me.
0: Prove him wrong. Prove John Garvin wrong and buy a game on sale and watch the developer flourish.
1: And Real Talk, uh, We Should Talk came out almost a year ago. And anytime there's a sale, big boost to, in our in our uh, numbers. So in a way that like actually affects my life in a greatly positive manner. So like Aww. of course that's not going to be the case for um, first party, blah blah blah. But for like a little indie like me, that means that like oh I can I can eat out this week instead of eating ramen. That's not how I do it. but you, you get what I mean. I, it means that I can like actually have some financial security in a way that I wouldn't have. Ever. My I don't have to hustle as hard. Throughout the years trying to struggle to get contracts because this. this sale boosted up my.
0: By- you could consider getting a vision test for your glasses. And then also yeah. afford glasses. Like that's an option as opposed to not because you're a freelancer slash temp slash the games industry doesn't want you to have health insurance.
1: Why would you talk on sale back and afford health? <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's gonna do it for our uh, David Jaffe's a piece of shit. And it's gone is a hard seven section of the quality assurance. But we couldn't help but notice a really fun hot button topic that started trending the moment after we recorded last week's episode. So this week, we're going to double down on the quality assurance and we're going to discuss the burning for some reason question. Who gets to call themselves a games developer?
1: Anyone who
0: professionally contributes to the release of a game is a person that does game games. Yeah, I was... Let's see, the, the first... Pro- my first thought was that. And I was like, professionally. Or like, so anybody who gets paid to contribute something to a game was my first thinking of a definition. But then you think about all of the people who do a lot of free labor for games too, particularly on like the social media side of things, tends to get a lot of free labor that do quite a bit for a games' success sometimes. And like... I, don't know, to extent, I think they, you know, there's a lot of unpaid people who deserve to be called game developers too. Like it's a hard I think it's even more complicated than that, but
1: that that's where I guess the word professional wasn't great in that aspect because the games industry isn't great because a lot of the work that we use as like the thing that goes on a resume that counts as professional work goes unpaid or it's free all So anyone that contributes to a game being released and that is included but not limited to uh, any artist designers, programmers, writers, marketing, uh, office staff, just everybody that contributes to the environment that, that that creates a game is a game developer. Now, a big problem with the phrase game developer is that the tech industry uses the word developer to you know, do a specific thing. And uh, sometimes that just means program, right? But uh, that's not what we do. It's not what we've ever, ever done. Uh, because games, we call them game development cycles. Now, if it was a movie, we'd call it a production and a production still includes everybody that makes the movie, right? So for games, we used to say, there's a development cycle, everybody makes a game. Now, there are a lot of aspects of this that the even question comes from a little bit of that culture and a little bit of uh, imposter syndrome that comes up a lot. I remember, I, I often find people who I and most of the indie and most game developers, frankly, will consider like to be a game dev. Say, no, no, I'm not. A, I'm not a game dev. I'm just like I just do art. I just do ball. I just do anything. Right. And like it, it diminishes the work that they do. But it's also like, can you think of any game that wouldn't be drastically different in the way it impacts you if it had zero art? It's like if it had zero marketing to get the game sale sold. If the people that were working at that studio didn't have water to drink. Like, everything that you do to contribute to the lives of the people that are playing the game or just making the game makes you a game developer. So anything, anyone that questions that uh, can go do that stuff.
0: I think that it's interesting and especially relevant to bring up that programmers use the word developer to essentially be synonymous with programmer, and so a lot of programmers that become games programmers decide that programmer is always synonymous with developer, and so only programmers are real game devs, and everyone else is just fill-in adjective. And I think that when you touched on the dev cycle, it made me think of a nice, even more general Working definition of who gets to call themselves a game developer would be anybody who plays a part in the game development cycle is a developer. Whether it's before the game is in programming stage, whether it's after the game is done and they're in charge of making sure that physical copies get to stores, whether they're the people in charge of keeping up the servers after the game. Like, if you didn't start the project until after it was just maintaining servers for multiplayer, you're still a game dev for that game. Like, <laughs> you're still, like those, every part of the game dev cycle. If you are a part of the game dev cycle, art is a part of the game dev cycle. Pre-production is a part of the game dev cycle. All of those things. The game, like, everybody wants to be the star of the show, and so game programmers are, like, really trying to, sometimes I feel like, be the lead singer of the game programming band or the game design band. And, you know, yeah, they're important. Just, like, every other part is important for a different thing, you know? (laughs) Like... So I like the idea of being like if you're part of the game dev cycle in some capacity, you are a game dev because that's what that means. You are You wouldn't be in the cycle if you weren't important to the process. If they had to post a job posting somewhere and then you had to fill it, you played an important role in the cycle. It doesn't matter if it was minimum wage. It doesn't matter if it was only for a third of the project. It doesn't matter if it was, oh, I only did this part or, oh, well, they rejected all the things that I suggested. You don't know what rejected thing, and then somebody else was like, you know, that one person had that one idea, but what if we did this? And oh, you inspired a whole fucking thing you didn't know. You have no idea.
2: But you were there. You were, They were paying you to contribute. <laughs> like, I think the thing that was, like, super frustrating about watching this pop off was because they were specifically, like, going after QA, which is, like... So obviously important. So obviously essential. <laughs> yeah, like, how do you think anything works from, like, software... Development or software, per, like software development to like video game development, like without someone there testing to make sure like the code works and like it interacts in the way that you think it would. Like, it's weird because like a game developer, a software engineer should know better that like engineering software isn't magic. And it was, it was a programmer who was like, yeah, QA doesn't count. And it's like, yeah, because you write perfectly immaculate code that works every time you run it the first time and doesn't have any like regressions like yeah sure like of course it counts like so you just don't like it because they check you because when the game comes out
0: yeah because when the game comes out and it's bad they're blaming you they're not blaming who in QA approved this how did this pass QA isn't totally what they say how did like how did this pass QA is a go-to phrase for bad games they immediately blame QA and then they work their way up
1: it would just—they just like reinforce that that stereotype that I get that always put QA in a bad position. It's like like they're not one of the most vital parts of like the development process of any software
2: ever, and one of the most tedious. Like testing anything is like the most annoying like part of all of it, right? Like walk into this
1: wall at this angle 20
2: times when tiger first moved to seattle he was like oh i'm
0: i'm gonna get a job being qa at nintendo and one nintendo was paying like 15 dollars an hour minimum wage in the state where they're located they were paying minimum wage and to even afford the salary that they were offering you had to live at least an hour and a half from their headquarters you know they made you drive to bellevue which is notoriously expensive Notoriously expensive. It's literally expensive Seattle. For those that don't know, Bellevue is right next to Seattle and it's where all the tech bros live because it's where Microsoft's headquarters. Nintendo has a headquarters uh, nearby. Bellevue?
2: Or Richmond? Or Redmond. Theirs is they, Red- Red- there's Redmond. This in
0: Redmond, but they make you drive to Bellevue for a bunch of shit. I Are mean, we driving to Bellevue? I thought your interview was in Bellevue.
3: No, it was in Redmond.
0: Redmond is even farther.
3: <laughs> yes. Yes, it was. Like,
0: Redmond is so far. And it was for QA. And I'm like, Zyger, do you understand that you're going to be taking the world... Like, you're not going to be playing video games. I think a lot of people think that, like, oh, I'm going to play QA. It's just like playing video games all day. And it's like, no. It's like literally having to do everything but play the game it's having to press every button while facing every npc and every weird wall and every post it's trying every weapon in every situation it's trying to figure out the most fucked up things you can do just to make sure it doesn't break the game in a way that fucks up the game forever it's like it's it's the most tedious random bullshit
2: And so, and you have to log it all like specifically so that like people can see, like, this has been tried or this has been tried. And like, you have to be really good at writing a bug report, which means you have to be able to say, I did X, Y, Z uh, combination of things, and this happened when I did it. Here's how you reproduce it. So a computer engineer, software engineer can sit down and go, okay, I did this, 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 and this, and try to like, make it happen again so that they can figure out where it's breaking down in the code and fix it like you have like it's like a skill set that you just have to have that's wild that it's only most people only pay people minimum wage to do it
0: and yeah and this minimum wage job was only offering one year contracts like it was anti job security it was there's a fairly good chance you want to have a job in a year but we don't know it's literally you have a job for a year move to a very expensive city the, that you cannot afford to live in by yourself on fifteen dollars an hour. They insisted that you own a Switch, but it couldn't be modded in any way, and they wouldn't provide one for you, but they would give you a discount on one to buy. You could buy one directly through them for a
2: discount, but you had to have a specific type of Switch. I'm sorry, Nintendo. A Nintendo Switch is 2000, 2000, two thousand or two thousand two hundred ninety nine dollars. It's not like a thirty dollar sweater from the Gap that you're supposed to wear to work, like which is also yeah. bullshit. Like, give me. Like, give me clothes to wear to work if you want me to wear your clothes. But, like, you could give your QA team Switches. Switches.
0: I thought they would. Because Zyger's Switch is custom because it's clear. Like, it's clear green. Um, So, you know, he mod out the faceplate. So, he couldn't bring it to work. Like, they would confiscate it if they saw it, apparently. They were real hardcore about it.
3: I don't think the thing was they would confiscate it. I think it was, like, oh, you are modding Nintendo, Nintendo products. They would fire you for having it. Not they would take it because... I don't think they can do that, but yeah, no, I'm I'm not trying to defend that. What no, they're doing is I, I, was, worse. I was just
0: like, oh wow, God.
3: Yeah, no, I just wanted to like clarify, like, oh, they won't, they wouldn't steal it.
0: I remember it was fucked up, and honestly, I think that firing you is worse than taking it.
3: Absol- absolutely, if, if, absolutely. If they take
0: it, you at least have a job and a discount to buy a new one. But if they fire you now, you don't have a job. <laughs>
3: like... but for the record, they they you would have been provided a work one to use at work, but you couldn't take that anywhere. Or you could have, uh, you could buy, What well, I think the price was $80, to have, like, a second work one that you can... Yeah,
0: it was weirdly cheap. It was insulting. Yeah. Like, if it's 80 bucks, just give it to them. Yeah, like, really? 80, $80. 80 bucks? Right, That's what irritated me. It's like, it wasn't like you had to pay full price. They gave you a steep-ass discount, but they were too cheap to just be like, here, you're making minimum wage. You have to commute two hours every day to be able to afford rent in any city nearby. Um Give us $80 for a Switch.
1: It was so interesting because, you know, at the place that I currently work, when you need, like, a work setup or a work computer, they just give it to you, so it seems like my studio does what Nintendo. Uh,
3: Yeah,
0: you do work at a pretty good studio, though. Like, it's a consistent pattern whenever we bring stuff up like this. You're like... I don't want to ruin it by bringing up how my setup's the opposite of that. But I have an exception that proves the rule situation going on. I think it's kind of nice because what it shows is that you can do it. It shows that it's a choice. At the end of the day, it always, it's the same thing as like, oh, all of these businesses fired all of their employees, all of these restaurants when COVID started. And now that they can open back up, people aren't taking these jobs back. And they're like, damn it. I refuse to let them wear masks and I pay them less than minimum wage and I don't understand why they won't come work in this pandemic still. I, like, they're baffled. It's like, no, because it's because you don't pay enough. It's because you do a bad job. It's because you don't give them health care. It's because you don't give them job security. It's because it's not worth it for any reason other than I'll die if I don't.
1: I don't care what anybody says. QA are not only game developers, but they're like the foundation by which we are able to release things. I don't know if you listeners have notes, but uh, we here really respect QA. Yep. You can tell by the name of the
0: segment. It's, right? just, it's so obvious. Like, if you are a tiny studio that's only like three or four people, so it's one of those things where everyone has to have multiple titles. So it's like, okay, one person's going to be doing a majority of the programming. Let's face it. One person's probably going to be doing all of the art. One person's probably doing all of the writing and dialogue and a bunch of other stuff. Maybe even then doing all of the, like, graphics you know, the art person's making graphics and stuff for social media, maybe also running it. Then, like, the fourth person is basically QA. Like, QA is a huge... Like, if you have to decide, I only have so many spoons to allocate to game development, you have to make sure one is for QA. It is absolutely non-negotiably one of the most essential parts of game development. You can't even be like, oh, well, we're small, or this is, uh, you know, just me, so I can skip this part. No,
2: you will QA your own game if you have to. You don't skip QA. (laughs) It's right, like... And the bigger your team the more people who touch that code base the bigger the people who have to test it because like everybody right like because programming is so like individual like there are many ways to do one thing in a language when you're programming something so like if your brain thinks this way and someone else's brain thinks another way and those two like don't think together correctly in the game like the more of those like combinations that you have that break, the more people you have to have around to make sure that that works. You can't make a collaborative code base without someone testing it.
0: Sometimes Zyger and I will work on the same graphic And so, like, I'll be like, oh, hey, Zyger, can you do this? And in my head, I'll be like, okay, if I were to do it, I would make the following layers, and I would create it using these techniques and these effects, and this is how I would do it. And then Zyger will send what he's done, and it'll take me a good 10 minutes to go over his folders and labels and figure out what way, like, the static glitch effect for the Weekly Patch logo. I went to go, I was making something with the weekly patch logo and I did the glitch effect a completely different way than he did. And so I was like, Hey, let me just double check. I don't know exactly how you got it. Here's how I did it. And he was like, Oh, what the fuck? That is not at all how I did it. Let me show you how I did it. And they could not have been more different. And so it's the same thing with coding. It's like, yeah, it's an easy thing to just make a glitch effect. But if you send two different coders to program like this text glitches here, they could do it completely different ways because it's such a simple thing that like you know, if coding is a language there are a million ways to tell somebody to hey glitch right now would you please glitch right now when this happens glitch if the situation calls for this then the effect should be glitched. Like, there are a million different ways to state that simple concept. And so you have to have a QA person who's like, okay, well, most of the time you ask with using, like, the royal you. But here we switch to, like, a, a third-person plural. So now all of a sudden the computer's confused. You know, and, like, it, it, that's what QA does, of top of a million other things. So
1: that's why it's important for you programmers to comment your code. If you're listening to this and you're programming, and you, and you put a line, and you can send me Write a comment next to it. I need you to stop ignoring comments because it's so. You're not writing the comment. Write the damn comment.
2: Also, when you make an update and you hit a commit, edit your comment. Don't leave your old comment. Edit it.
1: And if and if and if and if it's, if it's been a long day and everyone's tired, sometimes I'll accept if you write a joke in your in your commit, but like don't do that.
0: <laughs> oh, I love Easter eggs, Emoji City in my codes. Yeah, who's the game developer? Anybody who touches a part of the game development process has developed that game, period. It's that simple. It's really not a hard question. It's one of those questions that people get tripped up on because the answer is so simple. You're like, no, that can't be it. It's really that simple, I promise.
2: Because I get on the soapbox all the time, when you spoil games because you think that is a news thing, you are making more work for game developers, which you say you don't want to crunch. But that is what you're doing when you do it. Because game developers
0: are marketers in games. So if you make the marketers have to come up with a whole new marketing plan because you leaked their original marketing plan, those marketers have to crunch. And those are game devs. They're not programming while enduring that crunch, but they are actively working to make and sell that game. And they have to work overtime to do it. That's why leaking nonsense is bad. I don't understand the concept of being like, oh, this 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 IP that Sony Ben's working on, is a game called Days Gone. Here's everything we know about it. No, let them release it at E3 when there's something worth showing, because now we're going to be like, hey, we heard about Days Gone like nine years ago. Why don't you have anything yet? It's like, cool. You heard about it because it got leaked. We didn't want you to know about it nine years ago. We knew it wouldn't be ready. We knew you'd be annoyed.
3: Like right now, (laughs) the Bioshock thing that's going around, like everyone knows there's already a new Bioshock in the works. They haven't revealed it, but
1: everyone knows it's a thing. I didn't know that. And then
0: everyone's like, come on, just reveal it already. We already know. Yeah, I heard a vague rumor of something with Bioshock, but I didn't know.
1: Yeah, I I call me Bioshock. (laughs) I'm on the roll (laughs) tonight. All
0: right, well, transitions are hard. Not as hard as I'm going to cry playing Emily's Away 3 next week. Sneak preview for our week 11 free play. That's a sign that week 10 is coming to a close. Uh Uh If seven days is just too much, where can people find you, Jordan?
1: You can find me on your Nintendo eShop store, where you can go to Tough. Uh, purchase it for 30% off beat it and go through the credits when you receive my name that is where you can
0: find it Ooh, i like that that was good i like that
2: also at versified
0: and spencer hit me with that good good branding
2: um i'm missing nintendo 64 all over the internet except for when i'm hosting my horror movie podcast then you can find that at a halloween club on twitter and it's called is it halloween yet and there'll be another new episode i think tomorrow probably Tuesday. Zyger, name an X word. Go.
3: Z- Zatu, who is the flying psychic type Pokemon from Gen 2, evolved form of Natu.
0: I almost said stop recording. As soon as you said Zatu, I almost just hung up. I almost was like, we're done here. I'll fucking record an, an outro and I'll, I'll attach this to the fucking end. How dare you? Stop doing Z sounds. All I ask of you is to stop doing X words that go Z. It's been 10 weeks, Zyger. It's been 10 weeks. And you still can't give me a goddamn word that at least is or something. Give me something. When I went to speech class, I was told I couldn't pronounce the X sound. And you know what sound they told me that was? Not Z. Hate you. Anyways, what was I saying? I'm so worked up. And I remain, despite all change.org petitions, Kaylee. At Quirk of Art on Twitch.tv or Quirk of Art XD. Anywhere else I remember to reserve the name. Most importantly, Twitter. This is going to do it for the Week 10 Patch Rollout. Subscribe to future patches on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow the weekly patch at The Weekly Patch on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Or join the QA process on our Discord server. Comments, questions, bug reports? Send them to us at hello at theweeklypatch.com. Links to all these and more in the episode patch notes below. Week 10 patch complete. Wait, I love Monopolies now Cloud could be an Overwatch What if Cloud was in What if we made a law That every video game had To have Cloud Strife in it I hate it so much That would be the best law I would run on that platform That's the Green Party platform of 2022
2: The only reason mm-hmm. I would get behind that platform Is because Sephiroth is that bitch That just can't leave him alone Which means Sephiroth would be on the Sephiroth is, is right. also you're Yeah of course blind. Yeah <laughs> Absolutely. He, loves so much. I want he would love be DLC.
0: You'd have to pay extra every fucking time, but you would.
1: Oh, Kaylee, I need you to play Final Fantasy 7 Remix so you can see the strong sexual tension between those two characters. Yeah, you know, I
0: want nothing more. I'm trying my hardest to uh, not have the time until at least the second one comes out, and it's working because this year's also really stacked, but I, that's not to say, like, it. You know, the PS5 version. I would love to play a game designed for PS5 and like Intergrade I thought was going to be the thing that makes me cave and play Final Fantasy 7 Remake before the second one comes out and then it was all about Yuffie and I fucking hate Yuffie. She's the worst. She's the absolute worst. <clears throat> like most Final Fantasy 7 playthroughs, I don't get her. She's optional and I'm thankful. Like I was like, thank you. I'm glad you realize she sucks. Like oh, we put all this work into her, so maybe she should be in the game. But like, we don't want her to be.
1: You know, like Kingdom me. Hearts sucks because Yuffie's the first Final Fantasy seven characters.
0: That's real, real talk. First? Real oh, talk. No. There's Final way too Final much Yuffie yeah. in Final Fan in Kingdom Hearts. There's way too You're much Yuffie right. in Kingdom Hearts. Disgusting. Everything else about Kingdom Hearts Final Fantasy reputation uh, representation is honestly flawless. But that is unforgivable.
1: You meet Leon, and then you.
0: I like that he goes by Leon. I was into that. I was very confused. I, I liked it. He's like, no, I'm not Squall anymore. I'm Leon.
3: <laughs> wait, weren't the kids on the uh, Destiny Island also Final? Th- oh, wait, no, you. Were yeah, they were kid versions. Yeah, you're specifically was- talking about Final Fantasy VII, though. That's correct. Yeah, right. Okay. But yes,
0: you are absolutely correct. The first Final Fantasy characters technically are kid versions, so it's not even the real characters, which I personally like. I thought it was cute. Getting to yeah, see I kid versions. I was
1: like, "Me and Tita's going on big adventure." I've like, said that for years
0: I love it I love it that was really great that was really uh, great
1: they're dead right?
0: right oh kingdom Hearts. It, okay it, it,
1: it, the King- um, it, yeah yeah kind of yeah I'm pretty sure they're all dead yeah that that world gets like eaten up yeah okay no one as, along with all of your parents because
0: it's a jrpg yeah man, it's a jrpg they're lucky that they made it in like the prequels oh, I want to scratch my arm so bad it 'Cause it's all scabs. So I just squeeze it a little bit. Just squeeze it. It's not scratching, it's just squeezing.
3: I didn't realize we were already recording.